Welcome to the MSEC Podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm your host, Rob Frazier, and this week's podcast is made possible by the Dover Spouses Club. Today, we begin our month-long series dedicated to recognizing and honoring Black History Month. As you've seen and heard, MSEC is joining our country in highlighting members of our extensive community of leaders under the theme Honoring the Past and Shaping the Future. Our guest this week is the MSEC Chairman of the Board, retired Admiral Cecil D. Haney. Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. My pleasure. Admiral Haney retired in January 2017 after completing 38 years of distinguished military service. He's a graduate of the United States Naval Academy and commanded the U.S. Strategic Command and served as the PAC Fleet Commander. Admiral Haney was selected as Chairman of the Board for MSEC last year. In his spare time, Admiral Haney also serves on the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Board of Managers, the Naval Studies Board, the Aerospace Corporation Board of Trustees, the Board of Directors for General Dynamics Corporation, Tenet Healthcare, Systems Planning and Analysis Incorporated, the United States Naval Academy Foundation, and the Center for New American Security. He's also a member of the National Naval Officers Association Senior Advisory Panel, the Advisory Council for the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation, and Chairman of the Board of Trustees for Hillendale Baptist Church. Sir, I've got to tell you, as, as a former NCO, I need to ad- I need to advise you that retirement is supposed to be a chance to take a well-deserved knee, as we say in the military, but uh, you're not stopping. Well, I think it's healthy to keep going. And, you know, when I look back at my career, which I'm so grateful for, it, it is important to give back. And uh, I have found retirement exciting. So uh, what an honor and, and privilege, uh, including being uh, on the Military Child Education Coalition board. Sir, you you know, you talked about your career, but I, I want to take you back to a time before your career. So you are you were a young child and grew up in D.C. I want to take you back to the 1960s, growing up in Washington, D.C., during that pivotal time in our country's history. What were your thoughts during that time, sir, as, as, as a kid, as a young man? And did you ever envision reaching the heights of success that you did professionally? Well, uh, quite frankly, as a youngster, I was worried about the making sure I met my parents' expectations, first and foremost. Although my parents didn't graduate from college, they were big on education. They inspected every report card, every homework assignment you brought home, and what have you growing up. So uh, they had set a a great standard for me uh, in terms of things. Quite frankly, uh, I had no uh, aspirations, uh, quite frankly, in the beginning to go into the Navy. Didn't know much about it. I, uh, quite frankly, had thought about enlisting in the Army, so uh, Rob, to your service. <laughs> and uh, I had, uh, the, my goal was to save enough money and then to go off to medical school after serving for some time in the Army. I wanted to become a doctor. You know, it was also a, a period of time in my growing up where uh, both John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King were assassinated. I got to experience uh, the race riots uh, and just really see uh, the destruction of what violent protests uh, occur uh, in in part of my neighborhood. So it was a uh, interesting uh, area to grow up in, Washington, D.C., home of our political capital. And I had a lot at my disposal growing up there, everything from the Library of Congress to museums, 
and what have you. So it was a combination of things. But no, I had no no real vision that said I would uh, uh, grow up to be a, in fact, I didn't even know what an officer, there was this distinction between officers enlisted uh, <laughs> that I was not aware of. But I had this opportunity to go to uh, work at the Navy Sea Systems Command. I called it a program to get us knuckleheads off the street, but I was in high school and I got to work. They gave me a title called Math Aid, but it was really, I was a glorified key punch uh, operator to punch these key cards and you put them in these huge mainframe computers uh, that were uh, state of the art at the time. Of course, now I think my iPhone can do more than it could do at the time frame. But it gave me a great exposure to computer programming and, and that sort of thing, because I had two very inspirational bosses, uh, Ms. Cynthia White and Lou Rosenthal, who uh, actually mentored me uh, as civilians. They weren't in the military, but they were working for the military. And they wanted me to come back to work for them. Um, but when I told him about my aspirations of enlisting in the Army, they talked to a naval officer. And that naval officer explained to me about the programs of the military academies and the regular college reserve officer training for what we call ROTC uh, opportunities to where you could go to college and uh, also get a degree and also get a commission. And that really uh, got me excited, so I applied to all of them. And I was fortunate to be able to be selected to some and uh, went to the United States Naval Academy as a result. So uh, in that piece gave me that unique opportunity. Life is about opportunities, and I was blessed to be able to have that Navy captain come and talk to me, at the, who I had never met before, and expose me to uh, the land of opportunity. Well, sir, that's that's definitely an interesting way to start out a, a wonderful career, and um, it's it's great to to really kind of think as you're talking about all the wonderful things that Washington D.C. you know does provide. And, and during a time in our country's history when there was a lot of uncertainty, you seemed to focus on the things that were very positive and and the opportunities that were local to you there. And and I think that probably has a lot to do with, like you said, your, your parents' expectations of you and, and encouraging you to, to grow and to mature and to educate yourself. I, I wanted to ask you, what motivated you and who was your role model? Hmm. Well, I had a lot of motivation. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, my parents uh, were really uh, uh, disciplined and quite frankly, uh, you know, I, I had to let them know where I was going whenever I left the house and, and what have you and held accountable for it. Um, but they were very positive in terms of growing and learning. I, I for example, had a uh, hard time reading when I was in early grade school. And my dad, before he'd go to work, would have me stand in front of him and read the crime and justice section of the Washington Post. I think he got a twofer out of that. One, to calibrate my reading, but the other was to make sure I knew what would occur if I went to the wrong side of things. <laughs> so I thank him for that. But my dad was a, a real hard worker. He was a taxi cab driver, started off as a janitor at the Greyhound bus terminal and then became a ticket salesman. So he was my real role model, uh, an example in terms of hard work and uh, how uh, he needed to strive and work hard and, and keep at it in uh, that regard. He also was a uh, one that 
really felt that uh, your Christian values were important too. And that was another good grounding for me early on in life, which I continue. The other piece was my mother. My mother was a very patient, uh, but also a hard worker and seamstress. And, uh, you know, since dad was off working a lot uh, with both of those jobs, cab driving and having the other profession, uh, mom was there uh, really uh, working with us each and every day. So uh, her patience, uh, quite frankly, is something that I give her credit for my patience and my demeanor that she uh, really uh, gave, was a role model in, in, in a big way in that regard. So that's why I say my parents were. And I also have uh, an older sibling. And uh, my older sibling, Yvonne, you know, she was ahead of me by five years. And every time I'd go to a classroom that she had into in grade school, they would say, are you going to be like your sister? You know, she was pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> so she's another one I give great credit to uh, in, in that regard. Well, sir, you, you know, you, you touched on the importance of that foundation of family. And and I want to kind of transition now. You, you also mentioned about going to uh, the United States Naval Academy. And I believe you graduated in 1978. So let's fast forward a little bit. As a leader in our Navy, who, as you know, is is a tremendous family. Our, our military is a family in itself, but the Navy is extremely strong. As a leader, you continued to earn promotions and increase levels of leadership as a result. How did you see your success as a way to inspire others? Well, I will tell you at every step of the way, uh, whether it was uh, being an ensign, all the way up to depending on the first star, uh, much less the fourth one, you bumped into people first and foremost, that would be surprised you were there. And as a result, uh, particularly uh, some individuals who'd served in the Navy and enlisted for a long period of time, and they were just proud to see an African-American officer. Uh, and, and it was something that I was awestruck about in terms of inspiring others. I was inspired by their interest in that in a big way. Now, I will say, uh, I believe... Uh, you have to uh, give back. And as I described to you how I sort of accidentally stumbled across the understanding of there was officers and also enlisted ranks and the opportunity to get a college degree and become an officer. So uh, I made it a point throughout my career to go into grade schools, to go into uh, colleges and talk about a career in the United States military, and particularly Navy in the early days, grew more across all the services. The more senior I got and more exposure I got to the other services throughout the career. That volunteering, whether it was in the grade schools, in the colleges, church groups, college fairs, and other gatherings, uh, including one called the Black Engineer of the Year Awards uh, program that uh, really has like a few days of intensive uh, pollination of different career fields and what have you associated with engineering. Uh, those gave me opportunities to share with others in terms of my experiences and what have you. I can truly say even up to the point of retiring, every time you'd go off to give a speech somewhere or somewhere out in public, there was nothing more humbling to have some veteran uh, come up to you, one of our wars in the past, and want to shake your hand 
for various reasons. One was it never shook a hand of an admiral before, but also uh, those that really wanted to uh, commend me in my career is inspiration to them. So I really believe that it's important to work uh, with uh, folks that are behind you, uh, whether in uniform or not, uh, in terms of mentoring and giving back uh, in terms of things. So that's, I think, uh, the way I would answer your question. Uh, what success I may or may not have had, uh, but the life-learned experiences uh, were the ones that were sharing where I felt uh, most impactful uh, going forward. So in your role as a commander, I know that you you oversaw this and you communicated this effectively. Uh, but as you know, the, the military has a commitment to zero tolerance when it comes to violations of equal opportunity, whether that's race, color, origin, religion, um, age, sex, sexual orientation. Specifically last year, our senior leaders led the charge to have the tough conversations. I'd like to get your opinion on how you see these efforts shaping and strengthening the environment for our service members, our families, and our military-connected children. Well, Rob, I, I would bring back a little bit here and, and really say that our country has had its ups and downs regarding equal opportunity, respect for all, regardless of race, gender, etc., uh, for some time. And I've seen a variety of these where uh, things get better and uh, then we sort of have to reset uh, in order to uh, look at again what we need to do to continue the momentum that uh, has been established. Uh, so uh, since the military is a segment of our country, we get now an all-volunteer force and it brings in people from all parts of the country, some that may have grown up in one particular neighborhood where they saw only one uh, race or set of values. And with that, it's pretty interesting to see the military take in these pool of folks and work with them to uh, work on their character, build their character and, and build the expectation in terms of the courage, the honor, the respect and dignity they expect uh, uh, service members to have for each other. Why? Because it's so important to the teamwork that we uh, need to have, must have, in order to do the various uh, challenging things the military is asked to do in so many places around the world. So this teamwork can't be achieved to address these challenges if the military doesn't work hard to have inclusivity and value the diversity of people's backgrounds, their thinking, and what have you. That's what makes the teams of our United States military so well run today. Uh, when we do stump our toe and don't do that right, that's when our teamwork falls apart. We need everyone on that team. So this effort that we see here more recently of military leaders and accountability uh, must occur in such a way so that every individual within the ranks wants to get in and charge up that hill, whatever that hill is, to get the job done. Sir, earlier we talked about um, your ongoing efforts that you're championing, championing post-retirement, kind of as, as a new career, if you will, and uh, wanted to ask you if you could share your thoughts specifically about MSEC 
And as the chairman of the board, what your leadership philosophy is on the importance of MSEC's goal of using advocacy, education, and collaboration in support of our military-connected children around the world? Well, boy, I'm, an, I'm honored to be able to serve in this uh, MSEC organization. Uh, I'm, I am really inspired by it and everything it does, particularly with this overarching vision that every military-connected child will be college, work, and life ready. Uh, when you look at the number of different duty stations within a career and where our children of the military are moved around uh, a variety of different school settings, a variety, a variety of different neighborhoods, and in each move up, uprooting them from an ecosystem they've gotten comfortable in to another system that they have to adapt to so everything we can do to support them is, is to me, critically important uh, for the future. Military kids are special. In a way, they get to see a lot, a lot of different places, and get to experience a lot. And with it, we can capitalize on ensuring their education is, is, has the foundation that it needs for their success. They can do great things. For the future, the future of our country, the future of the world, in my opinion. So we should be doing everything possible to make them successful. And believe it or not, I fundamentally believe that our military children serve too. They serve absolutely not as volunteers. They're somewhat voluntold <laughs> as uh, they're born or uh, are moved around within a system. Uh, and they get experiencing long absences from uh, their one, or in some cases, both parents. Because some families, we have two parents serving in the mm -hmm. military. So uh, that piece, I think, is very important uh, to capitalize on going forward. Agreed, sir. So this podcast, as we talked about uh, several times, sir, begins our three-part series in support of Black History Month, uh, which we're doing throughout February, as we look to shape stories just like yours uh, from leaders within our communities that offer moments that honor your past and demonstrate ways uh, that you're shaping the future through inspiring others. I'd like to ask you if you would, if you would mind sharing what Black History Month means to you, and what do you feel like your legacy is going to be as, as a leader, as a father, and as a husband? Well, first of all, Black History Month. Um, you know, it, it to me is a chance to reflect on all those pioneers that didn't have the opportunities I had going through my military career, my Navy career. And I think that piece is so, so very important. You know, I did grow up in practically an all-black uh, high school. And what was interesting there was that we had courses uh, or when thin English and history where you had focus, you had to read books, et cetera, about black history and what have you. Having moved my uh, children around to many different schools and what have you, it is interesting how each school, rather whether private or, or public, uh, looks at history uh, through a lens generally in which were your planet, whatever region that is, more so than uh, what I would like to have seen more globally 
perhaps, but one area that I would say I saw missing that I grew up with was the history of America in terms of all the rich cultures that are part of it that made America what it is today. Our history books tend to miss a lot of that. And uh, I hope in the future that improves. But without that, it's very important to have months like Black History Month so that those reflections of understanding, you know, who was George uh, Carver, for example, uh, Harriet Tubman, and what, what made them great heroes? Why do we have statues uh, in places uh, revering them? I also think when I uh, look at it back today, I think of uh, many current people that have been part of my life. My life. Uh, for example, um, Pete Tomes, he was the first African-American to command a, uh, a uh, submarine. And he was an individual who, when I first got started as a Navy professional, uh, when I went to submarine officer uh, basic course uh, there in Groton, Connecticut, he was in another course, but he knew I was there. And he pulled me and another African-American, Mel Williams, uh, aside, came hunting us down, actually. <laughs> we had to go see him, and it wasn't one of these uh, pleasantry conversations. It was, boy, you need to put your nose to the grindstone, and you need to be successful. And that so was you, were, kind of you were in full receive mode, right, sir? <laughs> exactly. But uh, we thank uh, people like him. And, you know, uh, as a result, you know, uh, we ended up at the centennial of having s submarines in the United States Navy. Uh, we ended up creating a group called the Centennial Seven. Uh, seven of us were in that category, and we uh, made a pact to uh, mentor as much as we could uh, to others uh, to, one, join the submarine force, and two, to stay in long enough to pursue command. So uh, proud to serve with those individuals. But, but Black History Month allows us to really digest the contributions from so many people of color as part of our American success story. And hence, I think it's very important. Now you asked the question about uh, my uh, feelings associated with what would be my legacy as a military leader, as a father and a husband. You know, I think uh, your legacy is always associated with uh, the people you have managed to have touch points with throughout your life and how they uh, may have been changed just a little bit based on your conversations with them. And as I look at that category of people, I think that's the piece that I would hope and pray my legacy uh, would be enduring associated with it. You know, for my uh, being a dad, now a grandpa, it is sort of neat. You know, I got a picture uh, the other day from uh, one of my grandkids, and it, it was uh, a picture of uh, uh, how they drew a little submarine and what have you, and then they had a little arrow going on it. It was under water with Grandpa written on it. <laughs> well, to me, that made my day. It's that kind of thing that's exciting about the legacy, uh, in my opinion. Uh, that's what I want uh, in terms of things. I get calls for requests uh, from many folks that are still in uniform to hear my thinking. Uh, and 
to me, it's always a neat experience because I get to connect to them and see how is it going today in the military that I left back in uh, the beginning of 2017. So uh, I don't think you'd completely leave it, but that piece uh, is important. And when I look back at uh, being a husband uh, in just all the different places, uh, my uh, late wife actually was part of my uh, complete from with me from before commissioning <laughs> all the way through my to, to through retirement and uh, quite frankly so many stories and so uh, many different places we got to uh, share together and so many other families we got to meet and uh, still hear from uh, to this day so uh, I think it's a mutual legacy it's not just about it's not about me it's really about uh, those that you touched and that you continually get an opportunity to share with final question sir i'd like to ask you for your favorite quote well boy quotes i know you would expect me to have one perhaps from john paul jones yes absolutely <laughs> or what have you so i'm going to rudely disappoint you oh no my favorite quote <laughs> is actually from my mother. My mother got to live all the way to age 93. And I got to uh, hang around her a bit uh, at her tender age, even though I disappeared a lot uh, through deployments and everything else and living in different places. But my mother had a motto and it was, do all you can while you can. And seeing her actually carry out that was just uh, fascinating to me. And I use that all the time. I think we're just about out of time for this week. I'd like to thank the MSEC chairman of the board, retired Admiral Haney, for being here today. Thank you so much, sir. Well, Rob, thank you. And I want to thank all the people that are part of MSEC, uh, whether they're staff, whether they're uh, fellow board members, or whether they are folks that are in the student programs and the parent programs and what have you. Uh, I salute you. Please keep charging in your educational pursuits. God bless. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition, sponsored today by the Dover Spouses Club. You can listen to this podcast and others archived by topic when you subscribe and download at Podbean, iTunes, or Google Play. MSEC supports all military-connected children by educating, advocating, and collaborating to resolve education challenges associated with the military lifestyle. Learn more about our partnerships, programs, and initiatives at militarychild.org. And follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram for the latest on our enduring mission to serve the children of those who serve us all. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Rob Frazier.